welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org. Let's pray. Thank you for your presence with us this morning, Jesus. Thank you for speaking to us, telling us about your heart, calling us back encouraging us as you always do continue to speak to us this morning we pray in jesus name amen okay well we have a preaching plan believe it or not and phil completely messed up our preaching plan because he decided to stay in exodus and not move on And um, so my job was to move us on. And unfortunately, as Phil was speaking, God spoke to me from the same chapter. (laughs) So we are still in Exodus 33. It's a bit like the children going around the desert. We're going to be here for 40 years preaching out of Exodus 33. So I just want to give you a little bit of background. I've been thinking about the new building that we're going into and as you go down there and look, you look at the new building it's uh, it's beginning to come together it's beginning to look really good and um, Graham has an incredible eye for detail and uh, you can kind of get carried away with that detail and so you have to choose colors for this and colors for that and names for this and names for that and what should be here and what should be there And uh, I've just felt the Lord really speak to me and said, what is your heart for this building? And I knew straight away what it was. And it was that actually the presence of God is in that building. Forget the detail. Forget the colors. Forget everything else. We're not going to forget them, don't worry. But actually, what do I want in that building? I want the presence of God to be there more than anything else. Because otherwise, it is just another building in Matlock, in Derbyshire, in the UK. It has no difference from every other building. It might look pretty, and it might look great, but without the presence of God in that building, it's no different. Now, we are going to have beautiful detail, and we are going to have amazing colors and all that stuff. We're going to have that because that's Graham, and that's Graham's heart, and we're so lucky to have him. But what we need is the presence of God. That's what we need. And uh, I was talking to my mum last week. And uh, she went to a new church because she couldn't get a lift. So she went to a new church. And I rang her and I said, how was your church on Sunday, mum? And she said, it was okay. But the presence of God wasn't there. And I thought, that is so sad. So I said, are you going to go back? She said, no, I'm not going to go back. Because it's dead. When you come here on Sundays, we experience the presence of God. He was here this morning. We are incredibly fortunate 
that that is the foundation that Dave and Jill have put into this church for the last 25 years, is that we seek the presence of God and we have to have the presence of God in our meetings. That is it. When we pray in the early morning prayer meeting, we just pray, Holy Spirit, come and have your way with us this morning. We want you in our meeting. We want you leading. We want you guiding us. We want to hear from you with what you have to say to us. Come and speak. It's not about us leading it. It's about God. And my heart's desire for our new building is that the presence of God would rest in it. That as people come in, they would be touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's the presence of God I want to talk about this morning. Okay, let's read chapter 33. We're going to read from verse 7. It was Moses' practice to take the tent of the meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. Everyone who wanted to make a request of the Lord would go to the tent of the meeting outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent of the meeting, all the people would get up and stand in the entrances of their own tents. They would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. And as he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in front of their own tents. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of the meeting. And one day Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You have told me I know you by name, and I look favorably on you. If it is true that you look favorably on me, Let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember, this nation is your very own people. And the Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. And Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and on your people, if you don't go with us. For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the other people on the earth. And the Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you and I know you by name. And Moses responded, then show me your glorious presence. And the Lord replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face for no one may see me and live. And the Lord continued, look, stand near me on this rock. As my glorious presence passes by, I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. And I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind, but my face will not be seen. Okay, 
that's, that's where we're at. That's what we've been looking at over the last few weeks. Bless you. Thank you. So, I'm reading this chapter, and there's two things that jump out of the page at me. The first is this. In verse 11, it says, Inside the tent of the meeting, which is where God's presence is, the Lord speaks to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterwards, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua the son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of the meeting. Why? Why does he stay behind in the tent of the meeting? Now, the Lord spoke to me and said, he's staying behind in the tent of the meeting because God's presence is there. He knows that Moses is talking to God face to face and he wants something of that. That's why he stayed behind. So I go to all the commentaries and all the commentaries say, apart from one, all the commentaries say, no, he stays behind because he's guarding the tent of the meeting to make sure no one else can go in. So I'm thinking, okay, that's fine. I need to find a commentary to agree with what I'm thinking. And I found one. Hallelujah. One commentary out of 30 or whatever it was. But actually, you know, I don't care whether he was there guarding it or not. He picked up something from the presence of God. He picked something up. And he serves Moses faithfully all those years. All those years. And when Moses finally dies, Joshua is the one that God chooses to lead the people into the promised land. And he finds favor with God. And he says Moses laid hands on him and something of Moses' spirit went into him. But I believe it started here. He could see that God was speaking to Moses. God's presence was in this tent of meeting. The pillar was there. It was tangible. And I believe his heart was to stay in that place, in the presence of God. The question is, is your heart like that? When we come into God's presence... Is your heart to wait in that place to receive what God has for you? Or is it to get it over as quickly as possible and carry on with life? There is rest in that place. We sang that song this morning. There is rest in that place. There is an impartation to you as we come into God's presence. I was driving to church this morning and uh, I wasn't being super spiritual because before this particular song I was listening to Deep Purple so I wasn't being super spiritual. That song finished and Matt Redman came on. It is well with my soul. You know the song, it is well, it is well with my soul. The Lord said to me so clearly, in my presence, your soul is made well. In my presence. Where else is your soul made well? It's in God's presence. His presence has everything you need. It says in the word, all 
my needs are met in Christ Jesus. Not some, all. And they're met in that place where you meet with God. And he speaks to you as he spoke to Moses, as a friend. That wonderful, intimate place. And then the other verse that really spoke to me is verse 16. Where Moses talks to God and he kind of argues with God. And he says this. For your presence among us sets your people and me, Moses, apart from all the other people on the earth. That is exactly the same today as it was when Moses said it. It is only God's spirit that sets you apart from all the other people on the earth. It's the only thing. The only thing. God's spirit comes and as Dave already said, he comes and he lives inside you. He's not external to you. He lives within you. Christ in me. Christ in you. Good man. I'm not the only one getting excited then. Bless you. We are set apart by God because his Holy Spirit comes and lives within us. And that is the only thing that makes you different from everybody else. When we come together, we come together and worship in spirit and in truth. That's why when we come together, it is so powerful. That's why Paul says, do not stay at home. Do not forsake getting together. Why? Because we're one heart, we're one mind, we're one spirit, and we're all worshiping Jesus, and we're all giving him the glory. And as we do that, the presence of God comes. He can't do anything else. Because the Holy Spirit within you rises to worship Jesus. That's what sets us apart. Listen, we can go to the building and if you like model trains or trains or whatever, we can have a meeting of like-minded people. We can meet there as the Rotary Club. We can meet there as any club you want and that's absolutely fine. You're like-minded. You've all got the same interests. You can have a lovely meeting. But it doesn't change anything. Listen. When you come together, the Holy Spirit is within you. You can change Matlock. You can change the atmosphere where you work. You can change the atmosphere at your playgroup. You can change the atmosphere wherever you are because God's Holy Spirit is within you. You take him with you wherever you go. It says in the Bible, you are the fragrance of Christ. You're the fragrance of Christ. I know you don't feel like it. My dad used to grow roses. And in our front garden, we used to have this amazing rose bush called Fragrant Cloud. It's a beautiful red rose. And when you went in the garden, there was just this amazing smell. A fragrance. And it was like a cloud. Listen, wherever you go... You are the fragrance of Christ in that place. You are. You bring truth. What happens when Sarah follows what God says to her, to that girl that she spoke to? She brings truth into that situation. The Holy Spirit goes and speaks to that girl. How does it work? It's a mystery how it works. But it's the Holy Spirit within us 
that does that and changes things. As we come together, there is huge power here. There is. There is power as you get together in your community groups. And we have to step into that and step out. Because the presence of God changes things. He doesn't come just because it feels nice. He comes because he wants to set people free. He wants to break chains. He wants to heal people. He wants to deal with issues in people's lives. And for us, it's hard. We have to step out. We have to step up. We have to get out of our comfort zone and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. We find it really hard. But that's what God wants. The presence of God changes things. He sets us apart from the other people of the world. By his presence. God's whole purpose on bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt is that he wants to dwell among them. We spoke about this a few weeks ago. His heart is that he may dwell among them. They built a tabernacle so that God's presence could be with them wherever they went. We remember we talked about the tent and how you could move it around. This is God's heart to dwell with his people. His presence with his people. He's trying to put right what went wrong in the Garden of Eden. That wonderful picture of Adam and Eve and God walking in the garden is broken by sin. The relationship is broken. You know, it says in Genesis, they hid themselves from the presence of God. That's what sin does. It hides you from the presence of God. Sin separates. That's why it's so important that we come before God and have our sins dealt with. Lord, if there is anything in me that is holding your spirit back, deal with it, Lord. Forgive me. Forgive me my sin. I have grace to come to the Father and ask that. We spoke about how the children of Israel are God's treasured possession. That's what he calls them. You are my treasured possession. The meaning of that word is actually the private treasure collection of a king. What a wonderful picture. Wonderful description of God's heart towards his people then. And yet his heart is exactly the same towards us. 1 Peter 2 verse 9, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. It's the same word. It's the same Hebrew word as he speaks to the children of Israel. You are God's treasured possession. That's what he thinks about you. We are his treasured possession because he lives within us. He has a tabernacle in your heart. Not lo- no longer a tent outside, but a tabernacle in your heart. He comes and lives within you. That has always been his heart. What is he trying to do? He's trying to build that relationship back again that he had with Adam and Eve in the garden. Moses knew that God's presence was vital 
for the children of Israel. If you look at God's presence in the preceding chapters, during the day, God's presence, a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night, a pillar of fire to give light. He gives them guidance. A pillar of cloud goes before them and stands between them and the Egyptians as they're crossing the Red Sea. He brings protection. The cloud descends and stands at the door of the tent of meeting, as we've just read. And the Lord talked with Moses face to face as a man talks to his friend. What's that about? Relationship. Relationship. 33 verse 19, he reveals his character to Moses. Goodness. Gracious compassionate, merciful, personal, and intimate. He's a God of revelation. He brings all of those things to the children of Israel. He brings the same things to us by his presence. Guidance, protection, relationship, and revelation. God's power is revealed through his chosen people. The Egyptians are destroyed. They are free to go into the promised land. God's response to Moses is so wonderful. Verse 17, I will indeed do what you ask, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. He knows you by name. This isn't just for Moses. It says in Ephesians chapter 1 that he chose you before the foundation of the world. Your name was written in the Lamb's book of life. You're adopted as sons and daughters into his kingdom. He knows you by name. He knows the amount of hairs you have on your head. For some, it's easier than others. Peter is easier than me. Just. I'm getting there. That's my wife keeps telling me. He knows us by name. He wants the relationship with Moses with us. He wants to speak to you as a friend speaks to a friend. It's not God with a big stick bashing you over the head. It's God whispering in your ear. Give that word to so-and-so. Tell them how much I love them. Tell them, I know they've had a bad week and I don't care. I love them. Ring that person. Just tell them God loves them. Whatever it is. God revealing his heart. Always revealing his character. So, What is our responsibility? Why do I say that? Because we could pray for our new building that God's presence is over that building, it's in that building, that as people come in, we we want them to feel something, some peace, whatever it is. We can pray that and it's almost like we're saying, well, God's presence is on the building, that's fine, that's all we need. It's like the pillar is over the building. But it doesn't work like that for us. 
There is an individual responsibility that we have. Because he has come and pitched his tent in your heart, he has tabernacled with you in your heart, his presence lives within us. John 1.14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Where it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us, it literally means pitched his tent. The word means he tabernacled with us in our hearts, restoring our relationship with God. John 14, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Is that what you read earlier, Dave? I think it was. Near enough. We will make our home with him. That's what God is doing when you come to him. He's making his home in you. It's very personal. 1 Corinthians 3.16 Do you not know that you are God's temple and God's spirit dwells within you? God's temple is holy and you are that temple. God wants our heart to be his sanctuary. What it's saying is the divine king is in residence. That's what it was saying to the other nations when uh, God was in the tabernacle, his presence was there. It said to other nations, the king is here. That's what you're saying. Wherever you go, the king is here. He lives within me. But there is a battle for the throne of your heart. God wants to be on the throne of your heart. He is a jealous God. He is jealous for your affection. But there is a battle. Because there are so many things that will come and try and take his place. And the enemy is very subtle. It can start off small, but it can grow big and it can move God off the throne of your heart. And this is very important. In the word it says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So the question you have to ask yourself this morning, and I have to ask myself is, where is my treasure? What is it that I treasure? Because God wants to be that treasure. He wants to be on the throne of your heart. And we can get waylaid by any number of things that come into our, into our hearts and our lives. As we come together, God's Holy Spirit and his presence is with us. When I first came to this church, the first person I met was Phil. I'm surprised we stayed, actually. <laughs> No, the first person we met was Phil. And it was funny because I remember saying, saying to, uh, I think it was the week after, I just said it feels like coming home. 
What did I mean by that? I meant I could feel the presence of God here. I just knew this was a place where I could be at home. Not all churches are like that. Go on holiday and go to church. It will surprise you. I've been on holiday with my parents, and those of you know my mum, she's, she's a lovely lady, but boy, can she uh, embarrass you at times. We went to this meeting years and years ago when I was quite little, and the, the guy spoke on soap powder. Okay? And what he was trying to do, he was trying to explain that God washes your sin away like soap powder washes the dirt out of your clothes. So he did this whole preach, but he never mentioned the name of Jesus. So afterwards, as we're going out of the church, I don't know how old I was, probably eight or ten, you know, he he shakes a hand, and then my mum said to him, how can you preach about about God taking our sin and washing us thing without mentioning the name of Jesus? And I'm like, I just want to die. I just, you know, mum, quiet. But you know, it's true. Not all churches have the presence of God like we have here. And it's not something we should take for granted. It is a wonderful thing. It is a blessed thing. And we cherish it. We really do cherish it. It's absolutely what we need. It is the thing that sets us apart from everybody else in the world. And it is worth holding on to. Hebrews 10, 16 to 20 says, This is the covenant I will make with them. After these days, says the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. By a new and living way that he opened for us. Now, I've asked this question before, but I'm going to ask it again. How many of you come into God's presence in confidence? Because I don't think it's that many. And I include myself in that. We have confidence to enter God's presence, not because of ourselves, but because of the blood of Jesus. But the enemy will tell you, you have confidence because of how good you have been last week, or what you have done right last week, or how many times you've read your Bible last week, or how many times you've prayed last week. Have you reached the level where you can come into God's presence? And the enemy will tell you constantly, no, you haven't. Let's knock that one on the head straight away. There is no level. You are sinners, all of you, as I am, as we all are. We're all on the same level, but we're saved by grace. We're saved by the blood of Jesus who took us in and nailed it to the tree that we might be free. Why? So we can come into God's presence with confidence. 
Not confidence because Neil Garrett is any good and I've had a good week. No, confidence because Jesus is my righteousness and I rely 100% on him. There is no good thing within me. The Bible says your heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. That's the truth of your heart and my heart. He's given us a new heart. Hallelujah. Sorry, I'm going back. Absolutely. Before we're saved, he has given us a new heart. He has taken away that heart of stone, given us a heart of flesh. But it is all by his goodness and his grace. This is a new and living way that he has opened for us. This is God's promise to us under the new covenant. His presence in our hearts every moment of every day. But we have to protect it. We have to look after it. We have to make sure other things don't come in and take God's place. We have to make sure sin doesn't separate us. Keep short accounts with God. Come, say sorry, get it dealt with. Because God's heart is always towards us. We've heard that this morning in the story of the prodigal son. He is waiting to run towards you. And as soon as you turn, he is there. Hallelujah. God's presence brings guidance, protection, relationship, revelation, and so much more. I started to write a list of the things that God's presence brings to us as a church. I got to 20 and I thought, I can't preach this because there's just too many. And there's more than 20. Hallelujah. (laughs) But God's heart is to do us good. What a God we have. He knows us by name. You can be jealous of Moses. You can think, what an amazing thing that God, Moses could go to this place and talk to God face to face as a friend. No. No need to be jealous. That's what he has on offer for every single one of us. That we have that personal, intimate relationship with Christ. He talks to us as a friend. I've been learning over the last year or so that, you know, in our lives, we kind of, we think we can cope. So with my job, I suppose I'm quite good at my job, really. So you kind of get into a position where you think, well, I'm going to work and I can do my job and I'll do it to the best of my ability and that will be fine. And God's really been challenging me about that and saying to me, invite me into everything. Invite me into everything. And he really spoke to me about this. Um, I had a really difficult meeting at work and uh, I just didn't know how it was going to go. Prayed 
went into my secret place in the office, which you all know where it is. It's not very secret anymore. Prayed, and I said to God, you know, I need you in these big meetings. And he is there. He gives me wisdom. He gives me things that are just not from me. He's wonderful like that. But even going to work, God, I'm saying to God now, I want you with me in every conversation. I want to be the fragrance of Christ in this place. No matter how small or insignificant the meeting or the discussion or whatever, I want you with me. I don't want to rely on my own strength that I can be good and I can do this and I can do that. And God has been so amazing. It is unbelievable. There are so many things that have happened, but just God's timing I've been going on holiday and I've wanted to have loads of things sorted out before I'm going on holiday. I was just praying about it, saying, Lord, can you just get customs to do anything, but can you just get customs to sort this out before I go on holiday so I can relax? And this letter comes in. Dear Neil, yes, it's all sorted. The day before I'm going on holiday. Now, that has not happened once. That's happened three or four times. I'm thinking, I need to learn a huge lesson here, God. He is interested in everything we do. He wants to be your friend in every situation. He's not up there and we're down here. He is your friend. I can talk to Roger or Phil about something that's going on in my life. Why? Because they're my friends. I can talk to Jesus just the same. Jesus, come and be with me. Let me be the fragrance of God in this place. So, in conclusion, we want the presence of God in our meetings. We want the presence of God in our community groups. We want the presence of God with us every time we meet. And within that, there is huge power within the church. We need to start stepping out and trusting God more. And I praise God for the healings that we've seen over the last weeks and months. And we want more of those, don't we? It's wonderful to hear when God moves. And as our faith increases, we need to step out and say, I'm going to trust you, God. That's what we want. But equally, there is a personal responsibility that we've spoken about. God has tabernacled in you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You need to protect that and look after it and cherish it. You know, it's wonderful as we come together and we sing and we worship together. We are of of one heart and one mind and there is a huge power in that. The unity of the Spirit is something that is just beautiful. And sometimes as we're worshipping, we're all together one heart, one mind, one spirit, and we catch a glimpse of what heaven is going to be like. Because it's going to be that magnified a million times. Just that beautiful worship of Jesus where we're lost in wonder, love and praise. But let's capture it in our new building. Let's capture it here until we go. Capture it in our new building. Come with your hearts in a good place with God.
come ready to listen to him. If we all prayed before the meeting, and I know I say this all the time because they remind me in group about it, but if we all prayed before the meeting, Lord, use me today if you want to, I wonder what our meetings would look like. Use me today. I'm available. It's easier not to be available because you can just sit in your seat and you don't have to do anything. But Lord, I'm available. If you give me a word, I will give it. If you give me a word of knowledge, I will bring it. If you give me a song, I will sing it. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We love your presence, Jesus, Holy Spirit. Continue to be with us this morning. Speak to us. Deal with things that need to be dealt with this morning. Lord Jesus, as we go to our building, may your presence be on that building in such a powerful way. The cloud of your glory resting, we pray. Individually, Lord Jesus, speak to us this week. Teach us. Lead us and guide us, we pray. In Jesus' lovely name. Amen.